नमस्ते एंड वेलकम आई एम जैनील दलाल एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द डिजाइन एम बी ए विच इज अ रियल लाइफ एम बी ए फॉर डिजाइनर्स यू विल लर्न हाउ टू लॉन्च साइड हसो एंड लेवल अप योर डिजाइन करियर फ्रॉम इंटरव्यूज विद रॉक स्टार डिजाइनर्स टूडेज अमेजिंग गेस्ट इज रॉब होप Rob Hope is a South African-born web designer, developer and maker who runs One Page Love, Email Love and the Yo podcast. After a decade of freelancing, he finally took the leap to work on his side projects full-time. Right now he's working on landing page content while interviewing makers on the Yo podcast. When he's not doing all this amazing stuff, he loves to surf, bird watch and listen to 90s punk rock. Now, if you are watching or listening to this right now and you're a designer, entrepreneur, or anyone who's looking to launch their product and have a landing page, you definitely need to check out Rob's Landing Page Hot Tips ebook. This ebook contains 100 actionable lessons. It has 200 plus landing page resources, basically everything you need to up your landing page game. The link is going to be in the show notes, and yes, if you click on this link, you will get a 40% discount because you're listening to the Design MBA podcast. So without further ado, Rob Hope, welcome to the show, man. Janiel, it's been a minute <laughs> overdue. Um you know, we we had a little private chat it was meant to be 5 minutes landed up being like 2 hours. Almost. Yeah, I know. We just hit it off immediately. <laughs> I know we hit it off immediately. And it, it's so nervous for me because you know, when you're interviewing another podcaster and especially you, man, like your production quality is so awesome that I was literally nervous. I'm like, I gotta make sure that you know what I I make it up to Rob's level. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, thank you. Those are kind words, man. I'm looking forward to chatting. How was your uh, week off? You recently took like a week off, complete from the internet, and just unplugged. How was that? Yeah, it was good, and it's needed. Um, you know, I went inland South Africa because we're kind of landlocked right now mm-hmm. with um, the COVID situation. Um, you know, our South African passport uh, is not a not a popular one. No, <laughs> and. Yeah, we we basically taking our trips that we would where you know overseas and we taking them inland which has got massive benefits. It's like probably the, you know, the silver lining on this whole thing is that we really exploring our own country and appreciating it a lot more than we would. So yeah, I took 7 days offline just the odd check-in for disasters, nothing. Wow. And yeah, it was really good reset and needed. Oh my god. I think the last time I remember ever doing something like that where there was just like no check-in like pretty much like no internet watching or binge watching tv shows was when i was in vipassana and for 11 12 days when i was in that doing vipassana meditation they they take away your phones there's no electronics there meaning like there's no tv or wow. something so it felt so amazing like like i was always like oh if i come back after 12 days there's going to be hundreds of messages but there's only um a message from my brother saying like what's up and it felt so like <laughs> disappointing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um actually spent 10 days on a boat in Indonesia in 2019 on a surf wow. trip and that was also no signal. And um you know, I mean the downside, you know, you have family and um you know, I got a partner in Cape Town and yeah. you you start to worry. But um that digital cleanse is worth so much. Um especially with working so many hours and you come back and you're just firing cannons. So yeah, I'd highly recommend that offline. Just push for it, you know. You think the world's going to end, yeah. but everything's just continues as it was. And speaking of surfing, I've always wanted to pick up surfing, but obviously I've never tried it. I I always like that image of where like somebody's on a really big wave and um it is like a stupid question like like you probably weigh more than 100 pounds. So like if you're on that surfboard and you're on that wave, are you not supposed to just drop down? 
This is water. <laughs> it's actually quite a good question. Um, so, you know, the surfboard you, you buy um, or use, you need to, you know, it needs to hold your weight. So, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're really heavy, you need a lot more volume mm-hmm. and you get board, like way bigger boards. That's why for beginners or, you know, elder people, um, unfit people, you're just going to get a very long board. Yeah. It gives you that you know, advantage, um, you know, you just have to paddle less, but you know, I have quite a short board, a high performance board. I've been surfing what, 20 years oh now. Oh my God. And, um, yeah, the, the real secret though, like if I was to give you like the crux yeah. of surfing right now is that when you are paddling for your wave, yeah. you need to paddle faster than the wave. Oh. So the wave comes in, it's a certain speed. Yeah. And if you don't paddle faster than the wave, the wave is going to carry on without you. Oh, I see. So what do you do is that, you know, you can you can give yourself a, a little bit of advantage as well when you have that more volume, more buoyancy. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you, your one stroke goes further than if you were sitting on like a little baby board, you know, then yeah. you, you tend to sink. So the secret with surfing, man, like when you start, you must just remember like your arms, you got to do big pulls, uh-huh. big strokes. And if you can get that speed, think of it like a skimming yeah. stone. It's like the the faster you throw that stone, it's going to skim on the surface. So big pull into your first wave and it gives you that um, advantage versus sinking. You know, it's such an, like I had this amazing epiphany as I was listening to you. You just casually mentioned that you've been surfing for 20 plus years. And I know there's a lot of people who do it for just one off and they can kind of like lose interest. And this is a theme that I'm noticing as I was doing my research on you. I noticed that you started One Page Love right? Where you're collecting all these websites that just are one pages. There's no about page. There's no separate like pages, just like one page um, websites. And you started focusing on that niche in 2008. And it blew my mind because dude, that was literally when I think 2008, I just entered my undergrad call uh, university in India. I was becoming more active on Facebook. I still had my Hotmail email address. And you've been hustling for mm. 13 years since then. Like, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to say on, on sticking with something, um, you know, over time. And we can go there. But for me, you know, everything in my life that I really enjoy, I've, I've pretty much been doing it for a very long time. Um, you know, you pick up these fads and, you know, these trends and so on, and they come and go. But, you know, all the best things in my life have been things that I've been doing for a very long time. I guess you become more skilled. You learn how to enjoy them in, like, different phases. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to um, surfing, the, you know, that learning curve in the beginning, yeah. it's just so difficult. You know, I'm trying <laughs> to teach my girlfriend to surf and, you know, it's, it's cold. She's just falling. The board's hitting her. It's like, it's awful. But that's what separates, you know, um, the good surfers from the surfers that think surfing's cool and just want to try yeah. it. It's like they stuck it out. And the fact that I've been surfing, you know, since I was 13, so that's actually 25 years. Oh, my God. So I'm 38 now. So... So I actually now, because I've got so much experience, and this is like metaphors galore yeah. coming out here, but because I have so much experience in surfing, is that I cannot surf for like two months and then go out in fairly big waves of consequence and get like right amongst it. Like it doesn't take me a long mm-hmm. to get there and I can get a lot out of the surf. So I can, I can you know, perform and, um, you know, pick it up pretty, pretty quickly with muscle memory. So I guess, you know, same goes with design. Um, you know, years and years and years in the game. And to start designing is so overwhelming. Like, which software do we use? Oh, my word. And, you know, I'm not fast enough and stuff. But over time, it's like, you want to whip up a mock-up or a wireframe yeah. in Figma now? It's like, hey, I can actually spin up a concept in like 20 minutes. 
back in the day. This is hours, and that's the resistance to get starting. So when it came to, you know, my site, One Page Love, you know, a big takeaway here is that, you know, I, I did love the niche one-page websites. I was drawn to it. Surfing. If I didn't like the sea and yeah. the water, naturally, I would have just dropped out. So, you know, if you want to have a big takeaway lesson here, like for anyone listening, if you're not passionate about something, you know, it, it will come out. But um, you probably don't have to pretend you like it and, yeah. and, you know, stick with something you do like. And, and what happened with One Page Love is that, you know, I got going and, you know, I guess luckily you could call it luck, but like the One Page trend took off. Mm-hmm. But because I was so attracted to simple website design yeah. and how people were, um, you know, offering solutions with one page, I was so drawn to that that I I could work a Friday night, a Sunday morning, you know, waiting for someone to, you know, my girlfriend to wake up. I'm working on one page love, you know, chatting to people, collecting websites, you know, writing about the design. Oh my word, that's such a fun navigation you did there. Like I'm I'm so excited to work within this niche, and because of that, mm-hmm. it was not, never a chore to work on the side project. And because of that, I added them consistently. And because of that, we fast forward 13 years and I'm, I'm 8,000 websites later and it doesn't feel like a job. And because of that, it's really grown because of the consistency. So there's so much to take away here. But like the, the big one is that I, I identified I was passionate with something and I just went all in. And uh, I've been doing it consistently for 13 years. It's actually crazy to think about that. Like the internet 10 years ago, did it exist? And that's exactly what's blowing my mind away because when I'm on Twitter and stuff, we see these trends where, okay, launch a side hustle, make a thread about it. You know, it goes viral, monetize it right away from day one. Like everything, the timeline that it took you 13 years to start with a niche, grow it, then eventually monetize it where now that side hustle is your main hustle. The expectation now is that it has to happen within a month, within a year. And it's so unrealistic, I feel. Yeah, I mean, that's well said. I mean, we, we're working online. You know, we, there's a saying I say with a lot of my maker friends, you know, like motivation is the only, the only currency. You know, like if you're not motivated, it's so difficult. And when you're on Twitter and you're seeing this, this guy or this, you know, this girl and they're like 16 and they create this AI st- startup and, and they're like, you know, created it, coded in a weekend. It's already on like two, thousand mrr i'm just like wow you know like and that's not healthy and like i just want to convince sort of everyone out there that the best things that i've ever done are the things that took time they're the most rewarding i've had quick wins online and yeah you know take it um if anything if you make a quick buck online which which everyone's chasing but if you ever do you know reinvest it in, in your next thing you know but yeah, just try not be thrown away by this this overnight success because my overnight success took 13 years and I'm still I'm still very much in the middle. Um, we haven't finished. We've got lots to do. <laughs> I remember going through your uh, blog post and it was, I think you had a photo from 2008 when you were in London and you had this, mm. like this really ugly Asus or Acer laptop, like back in the day, the Windows one. Oh, man. <laughs> and you're starting one page love from that. And I think in 2008, it must have been just your passion interest because I don't even know if it was trending back then. Like like now there's this big interest in just one page or websites. But 2008, nine, I don't even think it was a thing back then. So it's, re- it's really interesting story how it started. So I was 
in London in 2008 and I was working on a startup. Um, a friend, I was freelancing, building WordPress sites and so on. And um, a friend convinced me to come over to London and he's, he was a client and turned friend. And he's like, come over. I got this idea. We're going to create the social network. Okay. For music. It's going to be Facebook for music. It was called rock lifestyle. And it was so ambitious. We were so young. We knew absolutely nothing, but we went all in and we, and we learned so much about, you know, the online game and, you know, investment and so on. But I was, you know, not getting paid. We were working on the startup and, and I had to pay for rent in England. And, you know, I didn't figure out at the time, hey, I should probably have some English clients um, that are paying the, the sterling over there. So I still had my South African clients paying me South African rand while I was paying rent in pounds. It was just the most bizarre setup. But I had to work late at night and I was, you know, freelancing a lot. And I would get these Word documents from my clients saying, Rob, I need a six-page website or a five-page website. And they would, they would send me a half-page Word, Word document of content. And I, I just kept thinking to myself, surely there is a different way to showcase their content to the point in one page. It's just that, you know, you've got contact details and about, um, you know, just say you're a wedding photographer. It's your, it's like your best four, four images. Think of it like a glorified business card. But at the time I could never convince my clients because I, I didn't have enough references. I didn't have enough links to show them what was possible. So that's when it, it sparked off, you know, um, there were a few CSS galleries out there at the time and, you know, they were curating pretty cool designs and I was like, wow, but I need one page designs. And there was just not, there was nothing out there really. Uh, there was one site out there, which was just like sort of a, a blog post of just a text list. But I was like, cool, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use WordPress. And back then it was like WordPress 2.6 or something. It was like really sluggish. And I just put like a thumbnail and a title and a couple of tags. And it was one page live. It was like March 31st, 2008. And I just started collecting references, showing my clients they were stoked um, then I was like, one pages are super fun. You know, it's easier to ship, easier to validate ideas. I started creating my own one pages. Then people like it caught, it really like took off and people were like, Hey, I'm convincing my clients. It was like good validation of the idea and it grew. And it was interesting because, you know, I put a little ad on the sites back then and, you know, it was earning a little bit, but I was just thinking, okay, I have this much traffic now and it's making this much of this ad. What if I had this much traffic? And then you ask yourself, how do I get more traffic to my site? And I mean, it's the golden question now, now still, 13 years. But the answer is you need to just keep adding value. So I was on one page love thinking, how could I provide more value for everyone looking for single page website references? And, and if you you know rewind then, it was a little thumbnail and it was a title and a few tags. I was like, what if I made the images bigger? You know, like, would, wouldn't it be better to browse? And then what is happening is that some one-page websites used to redesign or the, the domain used to expire and so on. And then all I've got to show for it is this little thumbnail. So you say, how can I preserve this? Because someone is still looking for references to, you know, wedding one-pages. You know, they've, they're building a, a one-page website for their friend. They need a, a wedding website to RSVP. Like, they've just got thumbnails. It's not enough. So I was like, cool, well, I'm going to start taking screenshots, you know, and like fast forward, you know, seven years later, I, I keep asking the same question. And at that time I was had long screenshots, super long scrolling screenshots, but I was like, oh, these are actually a little bit crusty, you know, on, on a retina screen. So like, let's make retina screenshots. 
So everything I've done is like just kept asking, like, how can I add more value? And by doing that, people started to return. People started to share it more. You know, the more posts I add, you know, there's a lot to say about being consistent, adding every day for 13 years. You know, Google loves you. You know, they're like, hey, this guy really, you know, me means what he says he's backing people are returning they're sharing um, they're linking to the sites so yeah it's just you know through a lot of adding value a lot of showing up every day i mean the, the question probably everyone's thinking right now is that you know and then but how did you you know make enough money to surpass your cape town expenses <laughs> and it's like yeah you i've i've failed so much i experimented i know i'm jumping the gun here but you know through one page love through I kept asking, you know, how can I add value? But at the same time, what services or products could they need as well? So, you know, with integrity and, and adding them, you know, with as much grace as possible is like, hey, maybe you, you know, back then you're like, hey, AdSense is the easy one, but it looks ugly and it's terrible. And I, I'm, I'm not the biggest supporter of it. And I was like, well, you know, someone actually wants a quicker solution to get a, a one-page website. So what about listing one page templates where they can just buy them and you know i wasn't building templates at the time but other people were so i noticed like theme forest and all these others and what i used to do is i used to list them on my gallery in a new template section and, redirect and i used them. to get an affiliate income yeah i used to redirect them and get the kickback but the, but it's all about the organic you know upsell so if someone's searching um a wedding website and they're getting the inspiration and then the posts run out and they're like hey if you need more references or maybe a quicker start to create a, a, a wedding one-pager for your friends or clients, uh, why not you check out the, these wedding websites? So it's very organic. And that's I'm a big fan of monetizing like that where you really understand why your users are there and then you know, you know, know pitch them what they could need. And that obviously converts better than a Google AdSense ad. Anyway, I jumped a gun. Wow. But um, <laughs> here we are. You, you had this train of thoughts. I just didn't want to interrupt. I usually just like let people like sometime when they go on like that, like they have this something they want to get out. And I've learned that not interrupting them is the best course of action. Uh, Cause sometimes you don't know what kind of nuggets you get, because what I just took away from that, you know, detailed journey you explained to me is that you focus always on value. Like right now, the obsession is monthly recurring revenue monetization. Like from day one, your side hustle has to be producing I don't know, insane amount of money every month. And to me, it seems like in the first few early years, you had so much passion for it. Like, and I feel there are a lot of side projects that need to just grow organically to a point where you can even talk about monetization, right? But if if you're burdening them with monetization from day one, I mean, it's going to go in. This is something I've faced. Like from day one, I've told myself that. And I've tried. I went back on my word. I've told myself that design MBA it's okay if it doesn't generate any money because I genuinely love learning from people like you all around the world. And I, I did try it. You know, I tried to launch a cohort based on it. Didn't do as well as I expected. So for me, it's just the challenge of just growing just like you following the passion and not feeling bad if this side hustle directly is not generating any money. Indirectly it has, but directly, no. Mm. Two things there that I really want to add is that you know, through this journey online and, you know, if, if uh, any list out there that wants to know how much I've failed, just go to robhope.com forward slash graveyard and you'll see 
how many times I thought the next thing was around the corner and um, it's it's in the graveyard, in the bin. But all of them I failed forward. You know, that's the title of the page as well. They're the failing forward. But what I want to say and, and what I've learned from this journey is that not every side project needs to be monetized. So that's a big one. Just like just sit there a little bit and say like, hey, I know you got your next idea, but and it's like a real passion of yours and you're like, oh, this is such a cool idea and I'm sure people, you know, will love it and it'll grow and so on. But I've actually got this steady income, you know, on a full-time job or, you know, freelancing. Yeah. Um, and what happens when you don't force that side project to, um, you know, be your main job or has to be monetized um, is that you can get really creative, and mm -hmm. when you're creative, that's when like honestly, just such magic happens. Um, I've had some brilliant side projects where I've just, you know, I can do whatever I want, and and resulting in that people are like, wow, this guy um, is authentic. Um, you know, he's obviously passionate about it, and then they're in as well. Um, someone said it the other day. I, I I forget the saying, but they're like, you know, users can sniff out when you're desperate and trying to milk a, a project, and then they're wow. out as well. So so it's like. You know, um, my podcast, I know you've commented in the, in the past, like, why don't I monetize my podcast? And the fact that I don't have to answer to anyone means that I can take risks. I can put absolutely anything in my podcast. I can drop, you know, an edgy track in it. Um, I've got a lot of metal, punk rock. Yep. And by doing this, so many people comment to me and said, dude, I couldn't believe you dropped that that you know metal song in that in that podcast and then you had this <laughs> crazy beat out of nowhere and then there was this intermission and i've got no rules i'm fully creative and what that does is people are like wow this is refreshing and they keep and that's how they return so the second thing just um you know the first point being you don't have to monetize everything is that it's quite a dangerous place to t to take your passion that you you know one page websites for example it's like it's i'm really am passionate about simple design um, and seeing how people can actually sell their products and services in, in just such a clean, direct manner. But it's like it was dangerous when I said, am I going to quit freelance to work on this full time? Because then it has yeah. to make money. And you, you need to prepare yourself for that because, you know, I got some scary lessons from this journey working on One Page Love where I did take the leap. I was oh. all in. Um, I didn't diversify my, my income enough. Um, it was basically my only side project that was making money. And, you know, I tied sort of a deal with an affiliate and that was, you know, maybe 80% of my income was coming through this one affiliate. And overnight they closed their affiliate program. The, the, oh their marketing budget went, you know, to advertising instead of affiliates. They're like, sorry, we have, to, we have to close the program. And then I was caught going, wow. So, you know, I'm just saying is that, you know, when you can spread, you know, a little bit of freelance, a side project there, side project there, it is a healthier place to go all in. I know, I know there's lots of people that will say, well, going all in is great for focus. Yeah. But diversifying your, your monetization is a smart play in my opinion. I think that's so deep. I just want to uncover that. Like, it's so amazing to think that. I mean, I know people are going to say, oh, Rob's saying, like, don't worry about monetization. But he himself, like right now, is making money, is living from one page love. But to me, it seems like you organically let that opportunity come to you about, you know, monetizing one page love. Um, you didn't force it. And and I, I think that even if in a different parallel universe, one page love wasn't making money, meaning it was just, you can monetize it. You'd be fine with it. You still pursue it as a creative endeavor. 
100%. I don't know what it is, why I'm so drawn to curation as well. You know, I have a sister site. So, so, you know, once One Page Love had grown to a point where, you know, it was covering my, my South African expenses um, and I, I was working on it every day and I got to a safe place. And I mean, we, there's so many things we can say here, but, you know, when I got to a place where I, it, I was safe, and that I wasn't learning as much and I wasn't as stimulated. And I mean, it was still great working on it, but it, like you get complacent. And I thought to myself, you know, I need a new challenge. And you know that I, I started a YouTube show and I did all these things. But what, what I did is I launched a second site, Email Love. And Email Love for me, I thought, you know, would take off faster. It was quite similar to One Page Love. I have One Page Love to leverage the traffic. Absolutely. Um, I have experience, you know, like emails, so the, as um, the guys from Really Good Emails say, they say that uh, emails are landing pages delivered. You know, they are very similar. There's like, you know, a single, you know, topic, there's a call to action, It's it, but it's like more static. And I thought there were so many similarities between the two, but, you know, email marketing is actually a massive beast. And, oh. you know, I, you know, with my niche being single page websites, you know, email is is very broad. So I learned the hard way there. So like I'm trying to niche out email love into uh, certain areas. But to your point about saying monetization is that, you know, I'm really enjoying this challenge trying to monetize uh, email love while learning more about email marketing. Every time I see a, a beautiful email, like a clever email with an animated GIF and like I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know, I blog about it. I write about it. I collect it. Other people are learning from you know what I've curated. That's very motivating for me. But monetization, it's just not ready yet, really. It the traffic isn't that much. I don't really want to put advertising there. Um, you know, one page love makes enough for me to survive. You know, why do I need more by putting ads on a, a site with a low traffic? Um, so there's, there's there's lots of things that go through my mind. But I quite like that I don't have email love as you know my main income. Imagine that. I would I would have oh to God. really like go hard and rethink things. But yeah, it's just interesting. And, I, and recently, I mean, just to share and try and, you know, add as much value as I can for someone thinking, you, you know, I've, you know, I did affiliate stuff on email. I've didn't work, you know, got rid of it. I had templates. I created one or two templates, email templates. And then all of a sudden, email builders, you know, really took off within the email service providers. Almost every email service provider, you can literally build an email through drag yep. and drop. So that. templates are sort of becoming irrelevant and so that that section's gone now um so i'm like you know iterating adapting and my latest one which i'm still not sure if i want to tackle it and i but i have started is is newsletter discovery because i know newsletters are a big deal but it's quite difficult to find you know good content from your niche that can be delivered to your um, inbox so i'll give you a good good example for context is that you know you know previously i'd be like cool design newsletters it's too broad. It's so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to niche down and saying, if I love typography, could I search the top typography newsletters and email level oh. come up and I will, I will have 10 listings and they will show me exactly what every edition looks like. That's a big one where I feel is overlooked because you actually don't know what the sends like. You don't know what it's going to look like. So I have to have a preview of each. It must have a direct link. And who is the person writing this, um, this edition. So I'm answering all this, this thing. So again, back to one page love is like, how can I add as much value? So you say, if I was looking for typography newsletters, what would they want to see? You know, they don't want to see, 
you know, pop up banners asking me for email addresses. They want to see fast results, previews yes. of exactly what it looks like. How often do they send? Who's the person behind it? I'm considering tackling this and I've started, but it's very, very, very difficult to get previews of, of actual sends um, at scale. I'm basically subscribing to every newsletter in the world. That's what I thought. And, and then you're taking uh, screenshots of each one. So it's very intensive work-wise. It's intensive and yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm in the middle right now. I'm just discovering I'm, this might be another fail. This might be a win, but I'll tell you one thing is that I've actually, you know, opened up submissions and a lot of people are emailing me say, please, can I be a part of this archive? And then that's some validation. And I thought to myself, wow, well, if there's value there, would you, would they be willing to pay for this? So, you know, I, I, I've been juggling figures and I've been testing $30 a year and then like no bites you know, $10 a year, like, and I get lots of bites. I'm like, you know, trying to find this uh, ground, but, but I've got this validation where I've actually started charging subscription for listings on the discovery section. And yeah, that's a slight monetization happening on one of my projects. And it's quite exciting for me. Um, so yeah, that was just a little bit of a side story on like where my mind's going with all these little side projects and monetization. It's like almost like soul therapy right now, what I'm experiencing, but like for makers, because when I started the podcast, I mean, you know, in, I told myself like, okay, I'm not going to monetize it and stuff. Um, and then obviously, you know, you see people on Twitter doing it and I tried it too. And, you know, it kind of felt awesome, like to go all in on it and, you know, quit your full-time job for it. Mm. And now that I'm looking for another full-time job right now, because I came to the realization that when I had like all my bills being taken care of, I could really be creative with the podcast and really enjoy the curation. Like you said, like talking to you know, awesome people learning from them, not worry about well, how do I monetize it? Like, I don't have yeah. to, but it kind of like this current culture makes you feel like shameful. Like, oh, you're going back now. Oh, you're not taking a full-time job or freelance client. So with all these things you're doing, do you still entertain like freelance clients if like a good opportunity came or you're like, I shall never do any kind of freelancing? So uh, yeah, it's, it's something I'm dealing with right now. So because I'm I've landing pages is a big topic in my life. You know, I created this book organically through curating one page websites since 2008 and, you know, trying to add value. I landed up inspecting them. So, you know, to add more value, I would identify the typeface. I would go into the code. I would see what kind of platform they were using. You know, this is built with Webflow and all this kind of stuff. And I really got to see what you know, how landing pages were built. And I used to pick up these trends, you know, I would tag the features as well. So again, adding value, I'd be like, cool, well, maybe people want to design, uh, browse landing pages or one pages um, that just have diagonal rule sections, you know? So I would add those tags. So anyway, th then I used to pick up like, wow, diagonal sections have become quite a trend in landing pages. And that's also a good way to um, you know, spice up your landing page design is like literally just take that line and just tool and you, and it looks different than others. So, you know, through all these trends and so on, um, you know, I created this content and people, you know, look to me and they're like, what do you think of this landing page? And I give them feedback. I started a critique, a critique service. Um, so I'm doing audits and, you know, naturally, you know, 2020 and by the time it's out 2022, I've been working on a landing page course. And, you know, for you to do a course and freelance at the same time and yeah. drop the book and do the side project and I'm trying to, you know, literally subscribe to a million emails and, you know, do all these things. Freelancing, it, it doesn't seem high up on the priority list, but I feel 
I have the imposter syndrome and I feel like a hypocrite often where I'm giving advice on landing pages and I'm not running big campaigns, you know, for landing pages for big businesses. I'm not on the on the forefront of, you know, millions of dollars made with this landing page. You know, I've never made a million dollars of a page, but other people have they, and they don't have a course. So like, yeah, there's this imposter syndrome big time. Um, and I feel like I could maybe extinguish those feelings by dabbling in a bit of freelance, but at the same time, you know, sharpening my tools, getting back in it, remind myself, you know, how bad communication is with clients and how good side projects are. But it's like, I do feel there's a lot of benefit to, to diving back in, but like a one sort of compartmentalize. And also don't forget, like I do have the, the freedom to choose a great client. Um, I've dealt with some some brilliant people in the past, and like you know, when I was when I was kind of weaning off freelance, I just had my best clients at the end, and it was just it was wonderful, you know. But uh, I I always thought to myself, every second into their project is a second not into my projects. So, you know, you need to decide what what do you want at the end of the day, and what I want, I think a great life would be to have a a brilliant network of inspiration sites help people with their sites, you know, through, through a course, through audits, you know, giving away a lot of content, making videos. I feel like that would be a rich life for me, you know, just, um, you know, helping people and, you know, building sites for money. It's just not high up on my priority list right now. So, you know, why, why don't I freelance like right now? It's just cause I got too much to do, but will I in the future? Maybe, you know, maybe if the perfect job, um, comes up, I will. I just thinking about as you're saying, what is my rewarding life look like? And I've always been, I've really enjoyed just building relationships with people. And I think that's kind of like going with the curation side of things in a way where just learning from people, reaching out to them might lead to something, may not lead to something. I have no idea, but it's just something that innately I feel for me drives me. And that's why for me, what I realized is like, I'm slowly trying to like put off all the pressure uh, from all these things. Like I started a blog, like, you know, I told you like, uh, and then mm -hmm. I had this like thing like, Oh, I got to publish two blog posts a month. Cause somebody who inspired me does the same thing or maybe more. And then it's like essentially like stripping away all these, like, you know, cause I looked at a graveyard of projects. I looked, I, I saw that you tried so many different things to see what was adding value and then stripping away things that were just, not valuable. Like it's all these experiments you're running. And then there's so much ego attached to it. Like, Oh, I started YouTube and I was doing this like weekly streams, but there was a selfish goal. Like, okay, I'll get subscriber counts and then I'll sell a course and stuff. And it kind of felt like it's forced. Like I'm doing it. I'm doing the motions. And I asked myself the question, like if there was no money, like if there's, let's say there was no money at the end of the tunnel, like you do all these things, there's no like money. What would you still do? And the only answer I could come up with was just interviewing people. Like, I don't think I'll do the, the, the YouTube streams or the blog post wow. or I was just having all these epiphanies going through your journey. <laughs> Someone asked me that the other day. Cause you know, I was, I think I had subscribed to like a hundredth, you know, newsletter that day or something. And then I was just chatting to my friend Manu in Italy and he's my direct Italian friend. It's like my counsel uh, keeps me in check. You know, every time I send him a design, I have to tell him like, hey, dude, it's just a wireframe, you know, like the buttons aren't aligned, like just, you know, just be nice. And he <laughs> he told me the other day, he goes, Rob, you know, like 
if you knew you would never make $1 from email love ever for the rest of your life, would you work on it for another second? And it was like, it was quite hard. It was hard. Like I was like, Oof, you know, why am I in this one? You know, I liked the challenge of green lighting that project because I was thinking I could make, you know, another, you know, big site that could help a lot of people. But when you don't see that traffic go as high as you expected, I mean, there's a lot to say about expectations right now, but it's like when, when you start seeing that as first traction, that's when, you know, it really helps your motivation. But like, what if I'd never made money ever? And yeah. it's an interesting one because, you know, just connecting the, the, the niche communities through the, the newsletter section. And I've started to see a little buzz there. It's like, that's super rewarding for me. That's way more rewarding than money. So I, that for me is keeping me there. But email itself, and this is a, an aside, is that, you know, I was really attracted to beautiful email designs. And I was like, wow, this is very smart and clever. And these people are legends. And I would love to, you know, spotlight these and we can all learn from them. You know, on email love, you can inspect an email, look at the code, you can download it. There's like a lot of stuff that I created on the site. But I started to notice that, my favorite emails were four JPEGs stacked on top of each other. Typography in the JPEG. You know, those were the best looking emails out there. And what I started to do is I was, you know, adding these and reviewing them and curating them. And then I, I started to feel like I'm basically promoting print design delivered in an email. And like, where is the value here? Where, where is the value for anyone? I'm just like regurgitating what anyone can get. So there's no real um, value to email love anymore. I'm just basically marketing for these brands. And that, that was a terrible feeling. I hit a slump where I didn't add an email for like three months. I was just like, what is the point? I got to know the guys from really good emails um, who, who helped, you know, validate that idea you know, cause they've got such a fantastic resource and they've, I mean, they've said as well, they've chatted like when I, when I launched and they knew one page love big time. And they said, when, when they knew I was doing email love, it like put a little fire under them. And then they just started to go on their <laughs> site and they made their site so good. Um, you know, all the little things that I was thinking, they're like, just smash them. Um, but oh the, the point I'm getting at is that what I'm planning to do is I'm planning to adapt, you know? So when email love started, it was, it was like beautiful emails and newsletter discovery. Now it's gonna be remarkable emails, you know, like clever emails, you know, guys that are doing stuff, you know, really differently, you know, interactive emails, um, the ones that stand out and, and are worthy of your attention, and then also niche newsletters. So it's not about following design newsletters, like I was saying, it's about following typography newsletters. Not sport, not fishing, but fly fishing. It's like connect fly fishing people with passionate fly fishing content creators around the world through and then i must be the middleman and like that, that excites me so so to your point you know like about you know does it need to be monetized i feel yeah. like if you are making money but you're not really bringing people together or you're not getting um you know if you're not interacting with other people around the world it doesn't really interest me that much um you know with the podcast like like you were knowing we can chat about that later but you know, the people I've, I've spoken to through the podcast, um, you know, having interviewed all the people and stuff, just make it so worth it for me. Um, it's the people, man. I mean, cheapest. Is that not the takeaway here? It's like we want to just interact with people around the world. That's what makes it worth it. That's deep, man. That is so deep. Just like asking yourself the question, like, what if I never made a single dollar from this? Wow. Obviously, like, 
making some money, some traction kind of clouds your judgment because you can justify it like, boom. But then it's not always that that traction will result in monetization. Like you can have traction all you want for so many things, but it's not always going to result in um, money earned. And I think for me, the goal that I set was I'm going to release 101 podcast episodes and then you know, like decide, like give myself an out. Meaning like if after that I decide like, okay, I want to like close yeah. the shop on this, I can. But until then stick to it because I felt like that was enough time to to just spend on an endeavor and then, then learn all the ins and out. And something I learned from you, which you've taught me is in any endeavor you do, like designing super fans, like, you know, Kevin Kelly's like, you know, a thousand true fans and essentially having this set of, people that really rave about your product really like would go above and beyond for it. So instead of me just telling like everyone, like what you taught me, I want to like have them hear from you first. Like what have been some examples where you've done things that normally people wouldn't even think about, but that has helped you create this loyal fan following that you have now. Cool. So, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm going to go into some examples now, but I feel like, to the point of, you know, the side projects and so on, you know, there's a lot of validation that we say like, Hey, you know, if it makes a dollar, it's validated. But like, what about asking yourself, like, would I work on this if I was tired or if I was sick? Like, do, like, do I care about it at all? And like, that's another thing for me is that that's the one that keeps me going is that like, you know, all the things I'm passionate about are the ones that, um, you know, are very easy to work on. And when they're easy to work on, that sort of naturally brings some money. So I just want that was just a one more aside just to challenge people on validating ideas if they make money. Like they say, if someone uses a credit card, idea validated. Doesn't mean yeah. you're going to work on it forever. Anyway, so super fans is, is super interesting. Um, quite an interesting uh, term. But I'd, I've done some things um, in the journey that haven't worked so well. And I've done a few that are, worked a lot better than I thought they would. And but why did I do them? I wanted to be creative. That's literally the kicker here is that I hadn't done this before. Oh, that could be cool. That could be fun. You know, I'm challenging myself. I don't know how to do that. Or I'm scared. If I'm scared, that's probably, a, you know, green light. Um, so all those things, and I'm going to give you two examples now. We're greenlit because I, I, I was creative, you know, it was, it was me just like getting out the box because every day I'm, you know, speaking to people on email and I'm reviewing one pages and building my sites. But here I am, you know, in this podcast and I think to myself, okay, let's get creative here. You know, this is purely a passion project for me and, you know, I'm, I don't need to make money from it, but let's, you know, get super creative and see what, see what we can do. So I planted an Easter egg right at the end of my podcast so i'm talking the end end so here's this riff that's playing or this beat and you know you have to be listening to this thing for like two minutes and then it sort of drops the mic and it goes hey if you're list still listening you are referred to as my people so email my people at robhub.com and i want to send you something small so this was my little <laughs> easter egg i did in my podcast and i did i did it i think for about 10 podcasts and, you know, what my people means is that, you know, I'm, you know, used to play in a band back in the day. And, um, you know, I generally am the guy who's, who's, you know, staying up late at the club and like, you know, the, just like, I like going all in. I like getting amongst it. And my people are the people that stick around to the end, consume the whole thing. 
you know, the kind of people that, you know, watch movie credits, you know, like yeah. you know, those kind of people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I dropped this little Easter egg and then what I did was like, you know, I don't, you know, have any clients. I don't do any prints. So I was like, cool. You know, what'd be super cool is to do postcards. So I designed postcards and I'm telling you, you know, when you, when you're wondering, Hey, um, you know, I'm working for someone now, I'm considering doing a side project. You must just remember, you don't need a permission to do anything. So here I am on a Tuesday morning, you know, getting quotes for postcards, you know, designing postcards, sending designs around to friends. And I'm, I'm in the middle. So like, if I want to take away one thing, um, the, that is it. Hey? Like the, if you can create that narrative in your life, You've made it eh? because that moment right there where I don't have to do anything, but I want to do this. And here I am designing postcards and I have no idea how to. And I'm like learning about prints and margins. And I'm like, wow, this is so difficult and exciting. And that is it, man. That is like my happiest state when I'm learning something new, being creative, um, experimenting. And I have no idea if this is going to work. Like I have no idea if anyone's even going to listen to the end of the podcast, but I'm creating postcards. <laughs> so what I did is I created this Yo postcard. Um, added a bit of personality, like added some things around it. I got these stamps with South African animals on them. And, you know, I got like a few people replied like, dude, Rob, I really enjoyed the podcast, man. Like, um, yeah, and that, that outro track was banging. Um, so what So what I did at that point is I, I always try to add a little bit more value. So the big takeaway here, how do you create a super fan? Is you need to do things that don't scale for sure. It's like people think I'm absolutely insane, from what I yeah. did for them, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I added too much value to them or anything, but here I am interacting with them saying, Hey man, really appreciate you listening to the end of the podcast. Please send me a postal address. I just want to send you something super light and small, you know, it's like, like, don't, it's not gonna be anything big and just like super small. They're like, oh, okay, cool. No problem. So I sort of track them, you know, like I've, I use the email address or their name. I try and match the, you know, Gmail face with the actual person. I don't, I try and keep it a little bit of a surprise, but I find the people generally, and then I check up what they're up to like latest tweets, what they're listening to on Spotify. Like, I mean, I go a little deep and then, but often it's like a business name. And especially actually if they've got side projects as well, that's my favorite one. And then I'll write a postcard to them and I'll go like, you know, hey, Jay Neil, like, thanks so much uh, for listening to the end um, of the podcast. Um, and I really uh, stoked you enjoyed that episode of Steve Shogo, like cool, whatever. And like all the best with the design MBA um, you know, podcasts, like I'm rooting for you or something like that. So it's like, they, wow. they're going like, how does this guy know I got this podcast? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's like, I think it's a bit of a Derek Sivers move as well. I know that he does this kind of stuff. Uh, maybe it was inspired by him, but anyway, so I, I did a limit, um, of a hundred postcards. So the stamps, oh I mean, there were 10 rand each. This cost me like, I swear this cost me like a hundred dollars in total and time. But the times, you know, it's worth nothing. Um, and I promise you, what I got out of this experiment is like a thousand X. It's like people have just been chatting to me. I launch products, they're sharing it. Um, they're giving me feedback on what I'm doing. Um, I'll release a podcast like, you know, way down and they'll just reply back. And like there, there was a, there was the sound was a little bit off in this one section, you know, like at, at 42 minutes. And like, I love yeah. that. It's like, they're just so passionate. So there's your super fan. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. And, and did I do it to make money? Not at all. But these people are paying, you know, $300 for my landing page cohort. They're buying my ebook. 
they 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 are there i mean it happens to be you know within the niche i'm in with design and developments and so on and if they didn't that's totally fine with me but what happens now is that they take a photo in front of their like their monument in their little hometown with my postcard and they're like dude like this arrived and they're like like check like yo you know and they're like it's like yo 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 that's that's like the branding and for me to get a dm of someone's monument with my yo postcard and them smiling going like thanks so much for like taking the time like throw money out the window man like money is nothing like if you can create that narrative in your life it's fuel forever so people ask like you know rob you're excited to work how do you get excited every day like i'm i have some sort of exchange where someone's grateful or i'm adding value or or i'm just interacting with people and it's like just the ultimate motivation so a second example that comes to mind is you know i was working on this landing page uh, course um you know just it was naturally the next phase for me you know having quit freelance and working on one page live and i was like this is a real fun and creative thing again you know make video also design the course that i'd want to watch so yeah like bit different and it got overwhelming you know landing pages as niche as you think they are they it it can target pretty much anything and you know i wrote this for so long and like i would you know on the back burner overthink it you know over engineer it and i thought to myself cheapest i have to be accountable and i have to do something in public here so what i said guys for the next hundred days, because I have so much landing page content like coming out of my ears. I was like, for the next hundred days, like, you know, massively scared zone we're in right now. Hundred days, I'm gonna share a hundred landing page tips, little nuggets. Yeah. Just extract them from my notes. So like I had some validation with the content. I at least spun up, I think, like 30 headlines, like at least topic headlines, and I knew I could find the content somehow. I didn't think it would blow up as much as it did, but I'm like I did that, but I said, you know, not everyone loves Twitter. So I was going to share that on Twitter, like a hundred tweets yeah. in a row. Um, but I said, for anyone who doesn't dig Twitter, I'm going to also do an email drip. So if you sign up today, you get landing page hot tip number one today. Tomorrow you get landing page hot tip number two. And I try to be creative again, you know, like create these non-sully emails, just a nugget with a little animation. Had super fun, like designing this and so on. So what I did is I, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, shit, now it's really on. Like I'm very accountable right now. And um, I would, you know, get the email drip would go out at 4, 4 p.m. every day, South African time. And then I swear it would get to like 2 p.m. I'm like, I actually think this this tip sucks. This tip is, <laughs> is super bad. And it's it's going to go off in this email drop now. So I would be like pulling notes out of everywhere, like tweaking stuff, screenshots, like uploading stuff, like chaos for 100 days. I mean, I... You think it's smooth sailing? Absolutely no ways. So, but what I did now, and this is, I, I don't know if you want to call it super fans, but it's about, you know, giving value up front. And what I've created is this like machine in the background right now. So if you go to, you know, onepagelove.com forward slash a hundred, you can get a hundred landing page tips over a hundred days for free. And like, there's no charge. It's like, it's value. So where I'm getting at is that because I created this is like, this is happening behind the scenes now. And I planted an Easter egg. I mean, I, I shouldn't even be talking about this, but like <laughs> on tip number 70, there's, it's saying, Hey, if you got this far, you really do enjoy landing page tips. You take $70 off my, uh, sorry, 70% off my ebook. 
um, using this, you know, coupon. And it's so crazy because like I launched the book, you know, December, 2020, and people are still using this coupon now because they happen to find this, oh my God. Um, this email drip and they've gone 70 emails deep. And then there's the, like the gift oh my and God. by creating this thing. So, so just, I'm just saying, is that like, you know, I did the postcards, it's trying to be creative hundred email drip, you know, try to really get on my comfort zone and experiment. And, you know, I've done so many other things, you know, with the YouTube show, like we don't have to get into that, but again, I was in a place where I was like not challenging myself enough. And I thought, wow, YouTube's difficult. I've never used a camera before. And I just, and I thought I woke up, it was actually on New Year's day. And I said, Hey, it's the 1st of January by the 1st of February, I'm going to, I'm going to start a weekly YouTube show. And this was in January, 2018, I think. And like that for me was mad. Like, but what I did by putting myself out there and then I delivered a weekly show for 30 episodes and it absolutely destroyed me into the craziest burnout. But like my video skills are so, so much better now. I've, you know, friends from around the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, what's the takeaway here with super fans? It's like, you need to provide value be vulnerable, be authentic, add your own twist and personality. You know, with all my stuff, there's, there's at least some level of punk rock or metal or like some <laughs> sick beats. Um, and there's like quirky and there's always color. I'm like, I really, when I see a colorful website, like I'm just losing it. So it's like everything that I like, I want to portray in the, in the work I do. And by doing that, people are like, wow, well, he stands out. This is what, this is Rob, you know? So yeah, by being vulnerable, delivering what I say, adding my own twist to things, um, I feel like you stand out from everyone, all the charlatans out there that um, aren't backing what they say, <laughs> those um, overnight successes. So yeah, a lot of hard work though. Um, I don't want to ignore that one. But yeah, those are the three stories that kind of come to my mind, how I've uh, gained a, a, a really healthy following online. Oh my God. And you give yourself permission to quit if you need to. Like for example, you started the weekly YouTube show and then I believe now you're not continuing it. So you do give yourself permission to try new things, push yourself outside of the comfort zone. But if it doesn't still inspire you to continue doing it, you give yourself an out like, all right, cool. I tried it, but doesn't mean I have to commit to it for the rest of my life. That's such a good question. So that's one I learned the hard way. So when I started the YouTube show um, called Yo!, you know, the, the, I dropped the first episode and because I was, you know, trying to be so creative and I, I just created this design show that, that I really wanted to watch that I thought the internet was lacking and it really took off, man. I mean, the first one, I got like 200 YouTube comments and like, I got 2000 subscribers in one day and it was like, I I promise you at that point. And like, I mean, if someone's listening here, I mean, if you're in the podcast at an hour, it's like, if you're listening to this, just learn from what I did. And like, I thought I was going to be a YouTuber. Like on that day, I was like, oh my word, I'm a YouTuber, dude. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm like Casey Neistat, dude. Like I got 2000. Oh my God. And you create this level of expectation that it's always going to be like that. And they say like, once you're on a roll, like, you know, run with it and like be consistent and it does happen. But I landed up creating this show that was sort of the same the whole time and it didn't age very well because it was like current news um so i would put about 40 hours into every youtube episode that was about seven minutes long and you know i would i would script it myself i would film it myself i'd edit it and then i would there would be distribution with the newsletter and all this stuff but 
what I didn't do, and this is the big takeaway, is that I didn't set an end to it. I didn't set, set an out. So like you said, with your 101 episodes, that's your North Star. Like if it doesn't work out, that's fine. You know that you, you're aiming for that. But with me, it's like I got to episode, I think, you know, 15, and then the, the traffic sort of plateaued at like, you know, a thousand views of video that took me 40 hours. Um, and then you look at the stats and you're like, whoa, there's actually people drop off halfway, like a lot of them. So you, you're telling me like, yeah. you know, 400 people watch to the end for, for like, for, you know, 40 hours of work. And like, I could be, do, I could be doing so many other, like think of 40 hours of freelance, you know, I did that for yeah. 30 videos. So, and no money. The, so what, and the money, yeah, it's like, yeah, no money. So I did get a sponsor. That was quite cool. Um, you know, flywheel, I must shout them out is that, you know, f I, I promise you within one hour of dropping that video, um, the, the CEO of flywheel, he's like, dude, we love like the like risk you taking here. And like, you're just trying to be creative and we want to support you, man. Can we, I think he just said, can we sponsor like, th I think it was like 20 videos. Like, can we, can you just mention flywheel in the beginning and then we'll pay you. And, and that validated me buying gear and so on. And I got good lights and everything improved. It was so, so cool. But point I'm getting at is that after 15 episodes, I was like, oh my word, I have to make seasons because then I have an exit and I can take a break because I was basically making a weekly YouTube video for the rest of my life and the, the traffic had plateaued. And yeah, I was burning out hard. So like you would, you would release one and then one would do like, okay. And then the next one would do really mm -hmm. well. It's emotional roller coaster. And then I started to really realize that, Hey man, you could be creating evergreen videos, like actually helping people within their niches, like, you know, tutorials, um, you know, how to's like, those are so great, but no one is watching a yo video right now. Like no one listening to this podcast right now is is watching Yo 17, where I'm talking about Sketch just released this new update on this. It didn't age well. Do I regret it? Absolutely no. I, I got creative. I upped my skills big time. I learned a lot about myself and I, you know, got a new, some new followers. But yeah, big takeaway is cap what you're doing. So if you've got a podcast, um, you know, try and break it up in seasons if you can and take that break. Because if you're going to promise someone a podcast every week for the rest of your life, think of a newsletter as well. So I'm, 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 you know, working on a, I really want to do this landing page newsletter. I haven't mentioned it to many people, but I want to call it landing pages unpacked. And I want to keep it topical where I'm like, today we unpacking, you know, just FAQs and newsletters. And I know for a fact, like from experience and through seeing other people is that if you can drop a weekly newsletter, that's going to grow um, you'll be able to promote your products better. Um, but if you drop a newsletter, like, you know, one on a Tuesday, one on a Friday, then one in three months, people just unsubscribe. Like, why did I, you know, so being consistent is difficult, yeah. but the burnout. So I'm trying to think of a way where I can create some sort of exit for my email series. So what, I, what I'm thinking right now, and this is work in progress, is I'm going to do what I did with the email drip. And I'm going to say, hey, landing page is unpacked is like a 10 part series and maybe like mm -hmm. over a every three days you get an email. So it means if you sign up now, you can get like 10 really good emails from me. And then I don't have to worry about being accountable every week. Cause I mean, dude, I created these side projects to facilitate my lifestyle. And my lifestyle is about having freedom and being creative and interacting yeah. with people. And, you know, I surf and sometimes there's a big swell in Namibia and I need to go, dude. And if I have to write a <laughs> newsletter about testimonials 
and that's stopping <laughs> me doing that. I I feel like I I haven't done something right. So yeah, there's there's something mm. that we like. Yeah, you know where I'm getting at. I know, and I and, and this is the the problem with this current culture or zeitgeist is that people always point to the video of Mr. Beast, you know, who's amassed so many followers that he went for two years. I think created a video every day or every week. I don't remember yeah. exactly, but he was just like creating, creating, creating every day with like no end goal in sight. And, you know, he became a massive success. And this is one of the reasons why I had to be very careful. Like, cause you know, people would be like, Hey man, you, you only do 30 podcast interviews a year because I release every other week because it's sustainable. And they're like, why don't you do it yourself every week? And I said, the reason is because if I have another job or some commitment, I'm going to like shut the lights down because it's like yeah. the reason I do it in advance is because once the episode comes, I listen to it myself. I create the show notes. I put the timestamps, right? There's like a team that helps me, but is it possible to do it weekly? Yeah. But then the problem is the quality of guests goes down because I have to do a lot of research. I have to reach out to people. So if I want to interview 30 guests, I have to like realistically reach out to 90 people because a lot yeah. of them are going to say no because with every season mm -hmm. the the caliber of guests goes higher and higher so i have to have to reel myself in with these expectations and be like all right make sure about everything is sustainable like that's kind of like i know it's not the growth mindset but it's more of like i just want to make sure i sustain it I sustain the game long enough i actually got a question for you about mr beast like you made, you made me think of something about the guy makes a video every day for two years. He's he's definitely not a normal person. Can we say that? Like like to do that, yes. you're definitely not not an average oh person. Okay. So, yeah. but now here he is, you know, creating burger chains. He's like doing cutting edge marketing, like some real crazy yeah. ideas that that are 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 brilliant. Some are like ridiculous, but some are brilliant. <laughs> Do you feel like he was born that way or do you feel that because of that like two years of training and then, you know, this, this life sort of molded him or do you feel like he was destined for this? What do you think? My take is that, I mean, this is uh, my own perspective on it because mm. recently I was like kind of like finding answer to the same question you asked me. Mm. And I was watching this video from Michael Phelps. Um, for those people who don't know, he's one of the greatest Olympians of all time. You know, won 18 gold medals in swimming. And, you know, he was talking about going for five years straight every day in the pool for two hours of workout swimming, not just leisure swimming and mm. not missing a single day. And he was talking about how he missed, like, you know, going on a high school prom date or dance, whatever, like things that, you know, like we want to do. So I kind of was thinking about this and saying to myself that what Mr. Beast was doing, like we, me and you both, and a lot of people are smart enough to know, like, that's what it takes. Like even today, like if you were to do like a daily show every day about UX and I'd do something similar, like there'll be some growth because there's very people going to do it. But I came to the realization that not everybody is willing to pay the price. And I know it's awesome to like be like Mr. Beast and stuff, but the more I think about it, I don't think I want to pay the price that it takes to be there. Like, you know, you mentioned you want to go out and surf on like a yeah. weekday, right? And not be worried about, I got to make this daily video. And same thing with me. Like, I want to do some other things and have freedom. So I kind of think it's not less about like somebody's born that way or not. I think somebody's just, they are willing to make that sacrifice or the price, whatever it takes to get there. And I'm still working on telling myself that it's okay. It's not shameful 
if you don't want to pay that price. There's no need to feel bad yeah. about it. That's, I mean, that's a great take. I, you know, I was thinking, you know, by me having designed a lifestyle where I don't have to be online for a week or like 10 days, for example, and like nothing really changes. Um, you know, obviously it's, I like adding the stuff every day and curating and speaking to people, but like nothing will, you know, fade that much, you know, cause I've put in all this investment for 13 years on one page love, 8,000 sites and stuff, but it's, you know, I know, like, I just know that it's like, if I created a weekly newsletter about landing pages and added a lot of value and dropped it every week for like a year, I would sell more courses and make more money. It's like, and it's like that will happen. True. But it's like the fact that I don't have to work for 10 days and I'm still making enough money to live in South Africa. Like I've won, dude. Like there's that, that's the right answer. And like, it's taken me my whole life to kind of realize that. And, you know, the North star for a lot of people is to make, um, you know, as much money as possible, but like what, you know, what is enough money? And, you know, my expenses are low right now. You know, I don't uh, have children or anything, but like maybe if I did, I would need to make more and my decisions would be different. So I, it is just so many layers of context that you need to take and True. everyone's stories, you know, like, you know, some people yeah. looking after their parents, um, you know, there's so yeah. much, you know, money does dictate a lot of, um, you know, rules. True. But back onto Mr. Beast, and I feel like he is a bit of a unicorn. I feel like Michael Phelps is a unicorn. Like, I don't yeah. feel that these guys, like, if anyone recorded a YouTube video for two years straight, there's probably quite a few people that are doing that and they're going to get, you know, nowhere on YouTube. I feel like he had, like, this little, like, a uh, little demon in him, you know, like and it, it just got a taste. And then he was like, oh, yeah, no, we've arrived now. We've arrived. And and they stepped in the I window of opportunity. Yes. They and the window it. of opportunity as we wrap up is like now everyone's doing it. Like, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people are doing this daily streams and stuff. But like if you did it when he did it, like two years ago or something, it was still mm. novel. Like not that many people were doing it. So it's also about like being creative in that that time and space, like being also a little bit lucky that when you did it, there's not that many people doing it like him. Now, obviously like a lot of people are doing it, but that just like, that's the, the table stakes now, if you really want to grow. Yeah. This is like outliers here by Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, yeah. He just talks <laughs> yeah. about all this, you know, really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's just a topic I think about a lot. Um, and it's, it's okay. You know, Casey Neistat, like how have we not mentioned him? How, you know, he did know. 500 vlogs in 500 days. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> it's so all these great stories are a lot of work compounded over a lot of time. Like if you look at his first vlogs, you know, the, the style is very different than his, you know, newer ones. And like he grew while doing it um, and he went with it. I, so I guess the takeaway here is that when you, when you're interested in something like, you know, go in and, and do it for a long time and it's okay to fail. It's okay to um, say, Hey, this is actually not for me. Pivot, learn from it. Um, but once it's going, like go all in and see where it takes you, dude. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Robin. How can people contact you? Uh, best place is probably Rob Hope on Twitter um, and robhope.com where I'm going to be sharing a lot of, um, you know, my lessons of the journey, a lot of fails. Um, I've been bad working in public in the last few months, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty amped to ramp up all my lessons. I'm busy with so many fun little, you know, things on the side that I feel other makers can learn from. Um, you know, my mistakes big time. Like a, a one right now is I'm trying to get like squatted social media handles and I'm doing that through, you know, 
getting trademarks and here i am in south africa like i just want to share this journey and yeah there's so much i got to say um i could speak for another few hours easy jenna but thank you for having me you bet thank you so much Ralph, for coming on the show if you made it this far you are what i call a design mba super fan and i've got a gift for you my super fan head over to designmba.show where you will find my email address Email me one thing you learned from this podcast episode and I will get on a 30-minute call with you and help you in your career goals. See you in the next episode.